This is the Indesa Members Memo, a podcast of the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. Indesa is 100% member-owned and is your industry voice. This episode of the Indesa Members Memo is sponsored by Orisure Technologies. Orisure offers testing products for drugs of abuse and alcohol. The Intercept Oral Fluid Drug Test is the first and only FDA-cleared oral fluid laboratory-based drug test for the nine most requested drugs of abuse. Intercept is simple to use with an easy collection procedure and a collection time of only five minutes. While being the number one recognized brand in laboratory-based oral fluid testing since 2000, the specimen is collected on-site but is then sent to a lab for testing. Companies get the convenience and immediacy of oral fluid testing, but also solid and defensible lab results. You don't sacrifice the accuracy of reliability of your current testing program. You simply eliminate the need to collect urine. Indesa is proud to have Orisher as our first official sponsor of the Indesa Members Memo podcast. Thank you, Orisher. Check out their website at www.orisher.com. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Indesa Members Memo. I'm Joe McGuire, and I am the Executive Director for the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. And today, it is my great privilege to interview again for the second time on our podcast, uh, Mr. Bill Judge. Hi, Bill. Good to have you. Good morning, and uh, it's nice to be back. Yeah, we always love doing interviews with you, and they get really um, big listeners on our, we, we, our, our ratings spike up really hard when you are on, so uh, I always yeah. love interviewing you because we just learn so much. But Well, it's a pr- privilege to be involved. I really uh, enjoy it. Thank you, and I want to mention that you are um, the co-founder of Drug Screening Compliance Institute, along with Nick Hartman, and uh, you are an attorney. You have been in this industry since the inception. You helped write many of the regulations. Um, In fact, you've done a lot of writing over the years, but um, tell us really quickly, because you know what? Sometimes I think we get to gabbing and we don't do fair justice to DSCI. Uh, remind us what what DSCI is, what you guys do, and how people can get access sure. to the information that we're going to discuss today. Sure, thank you. Um, we uh, basically we start with gathering every state statute regulation and court decision that we can find uh, related to drug testing in the workplace. So if you're a manager of a program and you've got a question about something, you typically can find the answer among the many you know, collections of, mm-hmm. of documents that we have. Now, obviously we don't store them here. That's, that's just me, the old guy that likes to have the old school way of right. handling it. My wife got so sick of three ring binders, she threw me down in the basement, which is where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this curtain back there is not real books. It's just a curtain that prevents you from having to look at my furnace. Oh, so, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Awesome. What we do at Drug Screening Compliance Institute is we gather all this information, we organize it uh, in a way that we believe is useful uh, to the end user. And we try to, um, as Nick Hartman says, put it into English. We try to put it into words. Women's terms. Yeah, 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 exactly. Folks, Mm -hmm. uh, so folks can understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what we do. We, we, uh, uh, we'll dissect uh, statutes and court decisions, trying to understand what they're all about. We do a lot of writing, as you said. Uh, we do a lot of ghost writing, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do a lot of consulting with employers to help them make sure that their programs are up to speed. And of course, with the, the marijuana laws these days, my goodness, you, you know, you got to check almost every darn day mm-hmm. uh, to uh, be sure that your program is up to speed. Uh, and then finally, we are doing a lot more, a lot of uh, litigation support. Mm-hmm. Um, and that litigation support typically doesn't start with the attorneys involved in the case, <laughs> although sometimes it does. But it typically starts with either the consultant, like the member of NDASA, mm-hmm. uh, or the employer. Um, who believes that maybe their corporate counsel is not 
experienced enough, shall we say, mm -hmm. with uh, workplace drug testing. And so they're looking for help. And so what we do is we'll come in and we'll help them with uh, explaining what the situation is in the case, helping them formulate their, their approach to either defending or prosecuting a case, helping them write um, you know, motions or briefs that are needed. So we do an awful lot of, uh, mm -hmm. of litigation support. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And for the, the person on the ground that is looking for changing state laws, because this is the greatest request that I get that I'm always throwing at you guys. Um, I love about your website. It says, don't just go through the library, get the librarian, talk to the librarian. Yeah, I mean, and, it's easier to just ask us and, yeah. and we can point you in the right direction because we live this stuff. You know, right. You know, most people don't have time to do it like we right. do where we just sit down and analyze and study this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so we can, you know, like, like any librarian, we can pretty yes. much point you in the right direction. Exactly. So, and that's what your website is all about. I've been a subscriber for several years. Um, personally, and every time I'm on there, and I, I, I always say to Nick, is it just me? But I will, I will text the little icon that pops up, and Nick is immediately going, how can I help you? What do you need? <laughs> you know, yeah. and well, I've used that many times when I've been He's good at that because he's yeah. a younger guy, and he understands technology. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't. <laughs> well, we were on a call last week with the um, chamber for Washington, D.C., yeah. and uh you, I was so glad you were on that call and I texted you, but I also told my daughter, I texted her too, like, Bill is a walking, talking encyclopedia. Like you just, <laughs> you're like, uh, you could off the top of your noggin, just uh, all of these cases and case law and what each state is doing. And it, it was just such a beautiful thing. You bring so much value because you're right. I mean, we're doing drug testing on the ground. We don't keep up with what's in our own state, much less all the other states in which we're doing business. So thank you so much for that. Well, and I appreciate that. That's a nice way yeah. to put it. I, and our job, just so everybody knows, is we're not a law firm. Mm -hmm. uh, our job is to simply put the information out there that exists mm -hmm. uh, and let you uh, or your uh, clients uh, make their own choices about how they're going to implement that. Yeah, and just say, here's, here's where you go, uh, sniff it out. But here we are, um, it is a whole new day in 2021 for drug testing as far as states changing their laws. New Jersey has been doing some crazy things, but New York is setting a whole new bar. And then we're going to have South Dakota here any minute now, uh, in just about six or eight weeks here, um, turning cartwheels. So, but this New York thing, it is there, there is so much confusion around what is going on in New York. Can I drug test? Can I not? And most of the time, the answer is no, absolutely not. Of course, we heard the media come out weeks ago and say drug testing is banned in the state of New York, period, amen and amen. And of course, Indesa wrote uh, a rebuttal to that and thank you for the input that you gave me on that so that we could craft that exactly correctly. Um, we've got some great feedback on that as well. But the, the email we put out isn't exactly like a finite shareable, like you could send it to an employer really easily. You, however, are putting that together um, for us to use. And I wanted to pick your brain on this because, you know, we all take information in differently. Sometimes the seven, eight page explanation isn't going to help the person who's going to hear it better audially. So I thought yeah. this, this would be a good opportunity. Let's dig into the craziness that is happening. And it's the state of New York. Initially, we were dealing with New York City um, with a city council that was trying to change the world in their own way. And um, now here we are, the state of New York. Uh, you know, this is what happens when a, a governor gets in trouble and decides to try to distract everyone. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> probably so right. And, uh, and then he resigns and we're all stuck with the mess. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm going to a, sit on a beach somewhere. Hey, yeah. Fuck. yeah. yeah. So, one, one of the problems you see with New York, and I'm holding up an, an article that mm -hmm. one of the many articles that uh, were published or have been published about New York. And, you know, this one was just published October 19th. 
And the headline, which kind of motivated us to get going and analyzing New York's situation, yeah, the, the headline here is New York employers can't drug test. Period. Period. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yep. uh, and, and that kind of thing just drives me crazy. I know, I know. Because <laughs> they don't analyze exactly what is being, what, what the legislature said. Mm -hmm. So New York, New York's a very complicated, I will recognize the fact that it's an extremely complicated set of rules. Mm -hmm. um, and there are many. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know where you wanted to go with this. You know, you kind of turn me on and I just get rambling. So yes. No, I will. I will take you down the rabbit hole. I, first of all, you're right. The the headlines everywhere have said banned, 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 and that's what people say. Uh, uh, Joe, is it true we can no longer do drug testing in New York? And even some of our partnership agencies around the industry have just taken that at face value. But when you go and you look at the law, while it is definitely restrictive and probably the most restrictive we'd seen we've seen yet, I would hedge my bets. Mm -hmm. um, they make clear exceptions and they make some clear exceptions that blatantly support employers rights but it's so hidden in the way that they languaged it that they initially say no except for right, well, um, that's right. if you ask yeah. them, can we do drug testing the answer from the department of labor is no right and that's not true right right it's just flat out well, not true right so let's start with um let's let's kind of start first with what is an absolute no where where would you say yeah. all right the headline is no on this let's start there yeah well what what we did with our our, our current analysis okay and I, I hope your folks can see it is we start out by giving a chart to people mm -hmm. in terms of when you can and can't test can you no can you likely you know mm -hmm. um we we just a lot of people are, are visual, so we like to present a visual picture of what it is you're permitted to do. All right, mm -hmm. you ask, what's an absolute that you can't test? We believe, and it, there's some editorializing here, mm -hmm. we believe you shouldn't do pre-employment testing. I agree. When I read that law, well, that's No, we're I talking say. about pre-employment for marijuana. Right, right. In pre-employment drug tests for other- for anything other else. You mm -hmm. should. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate because we all know that other than alcohol, marijuana is the most often used substance in our society. Mm -hmm. um, but you still have other issues like cocaine and opioids and amphetamines that you should be testing for. Absolutely. Um, but we believe that um, because of the way that the law is written, because of the um, uh, off-duty discrimination issues that exist in uh, other labor law uh, that's been incorporated into the adult use section of the uh, marijuana law, you should not do pre-employment testing. Right. And specifically... Unless permitted. Unless by, permitted, yes. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which if you have safety sensitive, then uh, th there are exceptions. But when you're talking <clears throat> non-DOT, non-safety sensitive, no pre-employment testing for THC. Um, and then no random draws, again, unless you can clearly yeah. articulate safety sensitive. I think that's right. Uh, or if you're in one of the exceptions, like uh, required, <clears throat> excuse me, to do so under federal rules like mm -hmm. DOT or state's rules, um, you know, like, uh, like some of the state uh, laws that have been passed related to some safety sensitive positions mm -hmm. where drug testing is required. Right, and there are some collective bargaining agreements that require it. Um, those can still operate as, you know, as they previously have. Right. Now, um, now, what about reasonable suspicion? Um, absolutely. I mean, one of the unique things that the law did, and, and let's back up and explain how the law now exists. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me, because we have... Um, in New York, we have both medical marijuana and adult use of marijuana. And what the legislature did was essentially they consolidated everything mm -hmm. under the new, what they call uh, Chapter 7-A, the cannabis law. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the cannabis law has different articles in it. Article 3 relates to medical marijuana. 
Article 4 relates to adult use of marijuana. Article 6 is where all the problems come in. Right. <laughs> because Article 6 uh, essentially is, it says, it's called general provisions. Oh, it, for crying out loud. It's general okay. and it gets tricky. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's general confusion is what it amounts to. Now, what's, what has to be understood is that we've got a marijuana law that incorporates certain parts of the labor law mm -hmm. in New York, okay? okay. Um, so the, the commissioner of the Department of Health has to deal with the marijuana issues. The labor commissioner deals with those sections related to the labor law. So what ended up happening was the uh, section, uh, what's called MURDA, okay, it's the, uh, if I can find the actual, Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act is what it's called, okay. Nice For short, acronym. call it MURDA, okay, M-R-T-A. Um, and so what MURDA included at the tail end was section 3302 parentheses <laughs> section 9-B, okay. Okay. Now you got the lawyer speak out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and essentially what that did was it amended the labor code section 201D. Okay. Section 201D, put in plain English, essentially prohibits employers from discriminating against employees for certain off-duty activities. Okay. Right. One of which includes the use of cannabis. Okay. So the first thing that was amended in the labor code was including cannabis as a, it, it, it essentially says an individual, you can't discriminate against an individual's legal use of consumable products, okay? Okay. Including cannabis in accordance with state law prior to the beginning or after the conclusion of the employee's work hours. Okay. That's what it says. Okay. So the law essentially uh, acknowledges that this off-duty use of lawful products exists. And what's been included now in that is cannabis. So Bill, let me, th I know that we're kind of in the middle of this other discussion here, but let me throw a what if at you. We have a provision in the state of Colorado that you cannot discriminate for off-duty use. However, it is held up in court repeatedly that if an employee comes to work under the influence, you can take action. So I get that the discrimination is one thing because it's basically saying, if you watched them sit outside in their car and smoke a joint and then walk into the building, you can't fire them for that. They were pre-duty. Uh, so you can't discriminate in a way, or, or you saw on their Facebook page, they were token up on Facebook live or, you know, live streaming or whatever um, at seven o'clock this morning. And then by 8 a.m., you can't just fire them when they walk in the door because they were on their own home doing their own thing. Right. Um, okay. But if the employee displays uh, signs and symptoms of yes. being under the influence once their foot crosses, crosses the threshold, it doesn't matter if they did it off duty or before hours. <clears throat> it's how they come to work and their state of readiness to in, in preparation to work safely and effectively. Is that correct? Correct. And there are, okay. there's a significant difference between the Colorado statute and the New York statute, New York sure. and Illinois and some others. And that is that in Colorado, as the Coates decision yes. indicates, uh, the, mm -hmm. the Supreme Court of Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, the, the problem is that the way the statute's written in Colorado, it says lawful products under state uh, uh, or federal law. Okay, uh, mm -hmm. so it must be lawful under both state and federal, and federal. law. Got you. And it's not lawful under federal law. So Mr. Coates, unfortunately, did not succeed in his uh, challenge to the employer's uh, uh, personnel action because mm -hmm. uh, he could not show that it was lawful to use cannabis off duty uh, under federal law. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, New York state law, however, says and defines, if you remember what I <laughs> yes. just said, an individual's 
legal use of cannabis products uh, or, or products, uh, including cannabis, in accordance with state law. So they're so just they narrowed it. Yeah, narrowed it down. Yes. Yeah. And I, I do believe in, you know, this is my opinion. I, well, it's a lot of uh, people's opinion, but uh, normal National Organization to Reform Marijuana Laws, one of their goals for the last 40 years has been, uh, probably 50 years now, has been to limit employers' rights to test because it's the greatest threat to just full-blown, you know, we do whatever we want. Yeah. And um, they're learning lessons. So what they're doing is they're getting smarter and they're finding the things that didn't give them their way. And of course, they've seen in Colorado, okay, that didn't work. So where's, where's the next place where we can go? And yeah, this is a, now this is going to be the new trend. So we'll see other states adopt this language and go in the same direction. So yeah. I do now, just speaking of discrimination, I did see that it, it clearly says you cannot discriminate um, against anyone who has a medical marijuana card. Um, and this is a question I get from employers a lot. So I'm going to put it out there to you. And I know I've already run this by you, but for the podcast benefit. Um, so employers will then say to me, well, at what point do we ask the employee if they have their medical marijuana card and put that on file? Yeah, yeah. Whenever I hear that question, my hair immediately stands up on end and I look like I put my finger in an electric socket. Yeah, um, <laughs> One of, yeah I mean, we're in, this is an area that is evolving. Mm -hmm. Let's put that out there right, right to begin with. And that is because there's a huge difference between an employee attempting to defend employer action based on a positive drug test uh, if that employee is claiming to be a medical marijuana patient or claiming to have used legally off-duty. Mm -hmm, okay. And the reason the medical marijuana issue becomes so complicated is because the courts have begun to protect employees for their use of medical marijuana, not necessarily because of the marijuana, uh, statute, but because of the state's disability discrimination law. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they're looking to the underlying medical condition for which one is using marijuana right. as a an avenue of defense for and, that employee. It does need to be one of the disabilities that is listed and not just one that has been kind of scammed off to the side, because we see that. Um, so let's talk about, you know, like your MS glaucoma, some of the ones that are more uh, carefully outlined and diagnosed and there's medical history and whatnot. Um, but if you have an employee that fails their, uh, let's say, reasonable suspicion yeah. uh, drug test in the state of New York, and we'll get more to what defines reasonable suspicion in a moment, but let's say they fail that test and, and um, you, at, at one point as the employer, are going, well, if they have a medical marijuana card, I can't take action. So does the employer ask them up front, well, are you going to have a medical marijuana card you're going to give me? Do they ask? And, I, and I'm asking you this question because I had an employer say this to me last week. Can I ask for their medical marijuana card in the hiring process and keep it on file? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and, and there are many different reasons why that's not a smart idea. Uh, but th probably the, the biggest one is the uh, disability discrimination issue. Exactly. Uh, just like you can't ask somebody, uh, do they have evidence of any other medical condition that they have? Mm -hmm. um, you know, under the ADA and, all, and, and then state disability uh, uh, rules, mm -hmm. there are certain things you can ask and certain things that you cannot ask. Absolutely. Uh, you cannot ask a question which is likely to reveal a disability for which the law protects that person. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there are many, many examples we could provide. There are volumes of, <laughs> of information that's been published on this. But it, to put it quite simply, you can't ask somebody, hey, do you have any medical conditions that I should be worried about unless there's a legitimate reason for you to do so, okay? Right. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, you know, it, it's a question of, first of all, is the person disabled? Are they able to demonstrate that they're disabled? But are they able to then still, despite the disability, able to perform the essential functions of the job? Mm -hmm. 
Now the employer gets a chance to then come back and say, okay, your disability presents a, a, a present danger to our workplace, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and demonstrate and show what that means. It's, it's, it's a, a, a term of art that's been defined under uh, disability discrimination laws, EEOC uh, guidance and so forth. But it, to, I suppose to put it somewhat simply and whatever, I typically say to people, well, that's why we don't let blind people drive school buses. Right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. It, there's a certain amount of obvious common sense here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that uh, w- you know, we need to take into account, okay? Right. Um, now, you're talking at the moment in New York about Article 3 the New mm-hmm. York medical marijuana provisions. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's unique about New York is that the statute specifically says, the legislature and its wisdom specifically said, if you're a medical marijuana patient, you are considered disabled. Oh, wow. You are disabled. You are okay. disabled, wow. It means you have protections under Article 15, the state's, uh, uh, you know, the uh, disability laws and so forth. So what does that mean for an employer? They, in, in order to demonstrate a present danger and to get to the point where you, you say, well, you can't drive the school bus, um, you have to go through what's known as the interactive process. Okay, so if it was you or me uh, and I'm the employer, you're the employee, what it means is we have to take you into a confidential setting conference room or whatever, and we have to have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, we accept the fact that you're disabled, but we have a problem with your ability to drive this school bus for us because your blindness creates a present danger getting behind the wheel, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I mean, it's obviously extreme, but when it comes to marijuana use, you asked initially, when do we ask? Well, mm-hmm. you're going to do a drug test. Mm-hmm. If it's positive, you're going to attempt to impose whatever discipline you have. And the employee is going to say, wait a minute, wait you a minute. can't discriminate against me because I'm a medical marijuana patient. Here's my card. Mm-hmm. That's when you have the conversation. That's right. It's when the employee presents the card in their defense and then you have a conversation. There exactly. is absolutely nothing that requires the employee to tell you right. ahead right, of up front. And, and you're getting on very shaky legal ground if you request to see it up front. Bad idea puts I you in a so. position of vulnerability. I think so. Now, we yeah. have not seen any court decisions on mm-hmm. this yet. Okay. Well, many states have um, statutes that the uh, medical marijuana registry is confidential. And, and well, in fact, there's, it's interesting because the only one that does allow you to confirm a person's status as a, as a medical marijuana patient is New York. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> one of the interesting aspects of the new law, the consolidated mm-hmm. law in New York, is that in the section three, in the marijuana the medical section, it specifically says that if the patient gives permission, Mm-hmm. Yes. You, the employer, can go to the database uh, that the and state verify. Has to confirm or verify that. that well, person. honestly, if you're going to say that a person that has the card is classified as disabled, then you're going to have to make that information available. So they're but it's really fascinating. Kind of, it it's is fascinating that New York, yeah. uh, with all of these limitations for employers, this is the thing. Yeah, throws that out there. As, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll give you this one. You know. Bill, they need to hire you and me out as consultants to say, what are you stupid? Okay. Anyway, so on to the next thing. So let's talk. I know. Let's talk about reasonable suspicion. Yes, you can test, but it's not just, uh, it's, it's not as easy as I would say maybe what it used to be. Let's be very clear about what that entails. Yeah. uh, Some interesting, um, you know, the Department of Labor uh, recently, August uh, 21st, I think was the date, put out a guidance uh, about this. And I, 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 part of what motivated us to put together our, uh, uh, our, our article that's coming out 
um, which is a complete dissection of the Department of Labor's guidance. Um, that's what we wanted to do. We, it, it, it raised so many issues in our mind that we said, we've just got to dissect this thing and tear it apart. And part of the whole concept was that uh, section, there's a, what, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm fumbling. That's okay. What the legislature did was they amended uh, the uh, labor code that prohibits discrimination for off-duty use of lawful products. Mm -hmm. And they created a whole new section, section 4A. Section 4A uh, essentially provides some exceptions to the limitations on discriminating uh, for lawful use of cannabis on your own time. Okay. okay. And one of the principal ones, uh, here, let me uh, get over there, was essentially to, um, uh, it, it essentially says, number one, uh, you're not uh, prohibited uh, under the law from testing where required under federal or state law. Okay. So DOT, okay. some state agency uh, or law that requires uh, uh, drug testing of uh, certain safety sensitive positions, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and then number two is if the, you're not, you can go ahead and drug test if the employee is impaired and then the state went on to define that. Okay. And it says, meaning the employee manifests specific articulable symptoms. What does articulable mean? You can say it. You can say you it. Can you can write express it. it. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah, you can express it. Okay, specific articulable symptoms while working that decrease or lessen the employee's performance of the duties or tasks uh, that the employees assign. Or, and this is the part that Department of Labor's memo doesn't get into at all, mm -hmm. or such specific articulable symptoms that interfere with the employer's obligation to provide a safe and healthy workplace. Aha. What does that mean? Yes, what does it mean? Right. Well, the Department of Labor doesn't talk about it. Right. And they just say no drug testing. But then if the employer has a right to, or a duty to provide a safe and drug-free workplace, then there's an unless there. Right. And it's also interesting when you look at 4A, it says notwithstanding the provisions of uh, above, you know, mm -hmm. an employer shall not be in violation of this law where the employer takes action related to signs and symptoms. Well, what does related to mean? Right. Does that, does that mean an employer can't drug test? Mm -hmm. Department of Labor would have you believe so. Right. I happen to think that an appropriate action that an employer would take based on signs and symptoms of possible drug or alcohol use would be a drug test. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's, they, they do put the unless and then, you know, I, I don't know, I'll, I got to tell you, um, <laughs> what I think is going to happen, and, and I'm sure you agree, is accident and injury rates, productivity, I mean, it's just going to be hell to be an employer in the state of New York. And it's going to be a slow burn, you know, because marijuana legalization always is. You give it about three to five years and then uh, New York is going to go, hey, wait a minute. This was a bad idea. And uh, you know? start swinging back. Yeah, yeah. Colorado has done that several times already. We've gone in and amended and tweaked and amended and tweaked and went, oh, that was, wasn't a good idea. You know, it was interesting when Colorado changed our law, our state constitution, by the way, uh, right. as you well know, um, in it, which started in 2013, the vote was 2012. Um, and then we had the full blown program in 2014. So here we are, we're seven years in, um, almost eight. Um, we were the like the most liberal state in the nation with marijuana laws. And now we are actually pretty conservative. And let's understand why. That's because the legislatures started writing provisions that protected drug users. Right, exactly. That's about what it means. Yes. Now, they legalized marijuana, 
okay? Mm -hmm. We have 19 states now that legal, legalize marijuana for adult use, 37 that authorize it for medical use. So mm -hmm. as the legalization trend continued, these trends started to include protections for those who use. Yes, All right. exactly. Now, does it make sense for legislatures to do that? Well, if you're going to legalize something, then you got to protect people for using. Mm -hmm. I, just if you, you follow it logically. Mm -hmm. But you should also protect employers to right. do what it says here in the statute, which is, uh, you know, help, uh, maintain a safe and healthy workplace. Yes, yes. So when you, you know, the, the, the language is conflicting for that very reason. And I think this is why people are confused and yet at the same time, uh, not prone to read the fine print uh, because right. they're just kind of seeing the headlines. Well, exactly. This. And we talked about this the other day. Uh, and that is with the, the uh, memo, the guidance that the Department of Labor put out, you know, it talks about, you know, can employers do drug testing? Um, so, for instance, here, let me, <laughs> one of these that kill me, it's, it's toward the end of their guidance. It says, can an employer drug test for cannabis? Answer, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. And then it goes on to say, unless it's unless. pursuant to Section 201D4A. Right. <laughs> well, why wouldn't you just answer that by saying yes? if appropriate under 401DA, otherwise no. Correct, correct. Why, do, why does the no come first? Yeah, and it's it's appeasing language that is for the populace, you know, that's, um, and I don't want to start getting over everyone's heads on here, but there, you know, obviously someone is uh, working with a really good pack and they want to make sure that pack is happy. Well. <laughs> Yeah, and including like when we talk about signs and symptoms, they another thing that we should be pointing out here is that they 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 have a sentence in here that just drives me crazy. Um, let's see, can employers use drug testing as a basis for an articulable sign or symptom of impairment? No. A test for cannabis, and see, then they go on to talk about how. <laughs> The, the test for marijuana can't detect impairment. Well, we, everybody knows that. Right, we all know that. As of right now, but when you're talking about testing based on signs or symptoms, why do you answer in terms of it can't detect impairment? Right, right. Shouldn't that at least be permitted to start the process 100%. of determining impairment? I, you know, some of these things kind of drive me nuts. Right, uh, right. Uh, then, then they have one more that just drives me crazy is, can I fire, this is the question, can I fire an employee for having a noticeable odor of cannabis? Now, what, how do they answer that? The smell of cannabis on its own is not evidence of an articulable sign or symptom of impairment under 201D. Let me first tell you. 201D doesn't deal with this at all. At all. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it simply talks about signs and symptoms of possible use or impairment. Mm -hmm. Now, wouldn't odor be a natural, of potential beginning place, at least, for taking action? I smelled alcohol on you. I smelled marijuana. Of course. You know, it's, it, it's silly. Yeah, it, it really is. And you, you do clearly see, you know, I think the first time I, I said, uh, I believe it was 2013, was the first year that I said in my presentation on marijuana in the workplace, we will in 10 years be in a position where we are defending the employee's right to use drugs rather than the, the drug-free workplace. And people laughed at me when I said it. And I, I said, I know it sounds ridiculous, but, you know, I had been on the the governor's commission here in the state of Colorado to implement the regulations. And I heard what the Cannabis Council said, and that is exactly what they said in, in their dissent, uh, where we protected employers' rights, they wrote a dissent, and, and that was word for word. And um, now here we are, here we are. Yeah. So then how do we do that? Let's, yes. let's acknowledge for them that <clears throat> there's a need to protect uh, uh, people who use a lawful product. Mm -hmm. okay. But how do we then 
work in the fact that we need to maintain safety and health in the world. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, we start long-standing requirements that employers must must maintain and, and provide a safe workplace. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean that's a that's known as the OSHA general rule uh, requirement uh, that you have to maintain a safe and healthy workplace. Okay, starting from that point, how do we balance protecting the employee's right to use a lawful product off duty? with the employer's responsibility to maintain safe, safe workplace. Well, exactly. Uh, you got to at least acknowledge it and, and not tie employers' hands. I yes, I, I agree. And it, it really is um, tricky, but it can be done. But uh, bottom line, and, and I think let's, let's make sure we say this, what are the employer best practices for protecting safety um, at this point in time, I always say document, 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 document. Um, and I know we, we sing that in as a duet and <laughs> in a quartet and in a yeah. choir, but uh, any, anything other than um, just clearly explicitly document that you would recommend to the employer if they're going to end up in court. Well, first of all, I think employers have to go back and update their policies. Okay. For sure. If you don't have a policy or you haven't seen it mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in years, you got to go get it and dust it off and update it to um, include the requirements in the various states in which you operate. New York, just be the one that we've been focusing on today. That's right. But um, all, many of the states now uh, have a lot of rules that employers have to be careful about. Montana. Uh, we just helped an employer in Montana update their policy, and there's a provision in there that a lot of folks aren't aware of that needs to be incorporated into your company's policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to pay very close attention to the fact that all of these states still do permit reasonable suspicion testing. Exactly okay. correct. Mm-hmm. You need to make certain you've got tra- you've trained your managers. That's right. They what need to is know reasonable. what they're looking at you so bet. that they can articulate it. The yeah. documentation isn't going to mean anything if they don't know how to express it because they haven't had the training. That's Hello. right. And, mm-hmm. and training is so critical here because mm-hmm. if the law is going to permit you to do reasonable suspicion or uh, testing when you have signs and symptoms of use, mm-hmm. then you have to have everything in order to do that. Put, a, put together checklists that mm-hmm. make sense for you. I'm not a fan of these checklists we've seen over the years with boxes to check, you know, mm-hmm. um, because my problem with that is that too often managers that don't see the specific thing that they're seeing on a box, you know, to check out a box, mm-hmm. they think, well, I, I can't test. Right, right. Well, that's not true. That's not uh, true. At least if you're going to use those box checklists at least have a space for other other Um, and let's also mention while you're going down this list that these these um articulable symptoms and and documentation aspects also apply to post-accident in the state of new york and it probably is a good idea in every other state as well just to start doing this in the first place well, yeah, I mean, you've got some states, even like Iowa and some states, mm-hmm. actually define an accident mm-hmm. as part of reasonable suspicion. Mm-hmm. So it's included in that. But, mm-hmm. you know, there are some things you should be careful about um, because uh, the uh, guidance that was put out um, is, is somewhat confusing. It, it says, um, what cannot be cited by an employer as articulable symptoms of impairment. Okay, that's the Mm -hmm. question. Answer, observable signs of use that do not indicate impairment on their own cannot be cited as an articulable symptom of impairment. What? (laughs) I have a big question mark next to that. I I don't, I'm not sure I even know what that means. That's what, what, and then what they go on to talk about is Mm -hmm. that, not that that is not a sign right, or right. symptom, but that you have to connect that to performance. Okay. Okay. All right. And now, why don't you say it that way? Sure. So what it, it's basically saying, it sounds to me, 
is if you're recognizing the clear signs and symptoms of someone being under the influence, and let's just say it impaired, um, you know, we try not to use that word because of the lack of definition, but I see all the signs and symptoms, but unless it's directly impacting their performance at work in right. a way that is alarming, I just need to let it go and ignore it. That's what they're saying. Wow. No. Wow. Because only, it says only symptoms that provide objective, observable indications that the employee's performance of their duties are decreasing or lessened can be cited. Wow. So the employer is going to have to get really good at measuring <laughs> what decreasing performance means. And, you know, honestly, I think this is where a lot of employers get in trouble in the first place, especially small business owners. Um, you know how it is in a small business. You, if you have four or five employees and everyone, let's say a donut shop, everyone is all hands on deck, working 12 hours a day, trying to get this done. And someone sticks their hand in a fryer because they're under the influence. And, you know, the employer were they catching those signs and symptoms three weeks ago when the person was just, you know, slowing down the assembly line? No, they're just annoyed. You now know? you're into work comp and whether or not mm -hmm. the use of marijuana is a defense to a work comp claim. Well, mm -hmm. we don't know that in, in some of these states that have uh, legalized the use of marijuana. Mm -hmm. It used to be, and there are 39 states that say it, that if there is a positive drug test for an illegal drug, mm -hmm. then the claim is presumed uh, denied. Right. All right. <laughs> in New York, <laughs> it's not illegal anymore. In Illinois, it's not illegal anymore. Mm. How is that going to impact workers' comp defense? Right. right. I don't know the answer. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see, yeah. won't we? <laughs> Well, now, really briefly, our time is, is, is uh, getting close, but really briefly, um, how is New Jersey faring? Because they rolled out one thing and then said, well, it's not going to look exactly like that. Let us reassess. And but have they landed? Do we know where we are at with New Jersey yet? No. Okay. <laughs> and, and, Fair and enough. For, and for the audience, the, the, con, the confusing part is the uh, legislature's establishment of a new position called the WIRE, mm -hmm. Workplace Intoxication Recognition Expert, I think is, is, is the phrase. I just And when we say position, wire. that's an individual who will be the expert. It's an individual. Yes. I mean, in, 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 in New Jersey, the, the Department of Health, I think, who, who issued this just recently mm -hmm. said that employers don't have to comply with the having a wire until we get it sorted out and Thank does you. start, start Because it was all supposed to roll out on day one with no definition yeah. or <laughs> Well, and, and, and people are also being told that they can't do drug testing in yeah. New Jersey. That Thank is you. also false. Thank the you. statute specifically states that you can do drug testing under certain circumstances. And, but you can't, you can do drug testing, but you can't take action unless the wire uh, uh, indicates that there is a possible impairment involved. So that's, that's why it's so confusing. Mm -hmm. First of all, the criteria for what a wire is and who they are and what's mm -hmm. required for their certification. We don't know. Exist yet. Yeah. It doesn't exist, and I would love to try to help that uh, help write that. Uh, <laughs> oh, they won't. They won't let you in the door. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I agree. Oh, yeah. anything else that you want to say about anything that's changing? I mean, South Dakota comes to mind, but it's pretty complicated at yeah, this point. Yeah, South Dakota is going to be a little confusing too. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many of the statutes that the the more recent changes that uh, employers really have to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And we're here to help pay attention mm -hmm. through NDASA. You guys have been great uh, in taking the stuff we have and uh, in, in running with it. Um, but uh, just, you gotta continue to pay attention because in addition to all this marijuana uh, issue and uh, is the fact that we still do have 29 states that are mandatory states. Right. So that if you're gonna do drug testing at all, uh, in a in like Iowa or Michigan or uh, excuse me Iowa or Minnesota Oklahoma 
California, New Jersey, North Carolina, you've got to do testing according to their rules. Correct. And so many employers are just not recognizing that these mm -hmm. rules exist. And they, they have far-reaching uh, implications, not just with wrongful discharge issues, but with workers' comp issues, right. uh, with unemployment issues. I just recently did a webinar for folks in uh, Missouri, and they were just shocked to learn that if they wanted to defeat a claim for unemployment, they have to have some a special section in their policy uh, that complies with the unemployment law in the state of Missouri. Otherwise, they're going to lose. Wow. And most employers, I think everybody would agree, believes that if you do drug testing and you fire somebody because they were positive, they're not going to get unemployment. That's not true. That's right. That's <laughs> right. You exactly. got to look at the state's laws, okay? And you got to comply your state with your laws. state rules. Yep, yep. Know your state laws. And a way to do that is reach out to Drug Screening Compliance Institute. They will point you in the direction of your state laws so that you know where to get that information That's in right. a simple, clear-cut, easy um, to find. Because I know I have been before you know, you and I really connected. I mean, I was that person sitting at my desk for eight hours searching Iowa, Iowa state laws, a state of Iowa dot, <laughs> dot state dot co dot what, you know, and just trying to dig and dig and dig. And oh gosh, what a mercy when my friend Donna Kohlberg said, have you ever met Bill Judge? And I had seen you speak at conferences. I just didn't know, you know, what your expertise was and boy that was a glorious day when you and i connected bill <laughs> <laughs> well that's great it's nice to hear you know that, that something out of this basement is getting out to the outside world Shoot. wow i mean all of my hair would be gray right now if it wasn't for you well look at this <laughs> but look, i'll let you have it i'll let you why I, I, this is why i don't light my top of my head <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's always uh, great to talk with you. Absolutely. I mean, the work that you do, it matters. It's so meaningful. Um, as soon as you get this resource ready to share, we'll make it shareable. Yeah, hopefully by uh, the end of the day, we'll, put, we'll have it out. Sounds good. And I know we'll be circling back again as other things change. And as always, if any of you have any questions, you can reach out to us at info at .com. We'll send you off to Bill if, you, if that's what you need. And, and Bill? Uh, anytime you want to be interviewed. And I'm also, I'm still waiting for you and Nick to get your podcast up and running. So I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. That's, fortunately, <laughs> that's Nick's chore. He's, he's okay. the guy that knows how to do it. All right. That. I'll go nag Nick about it. There you go. All <laughs> Listen, right. you have a great day. And to our listeners, don't forget do to too. like and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Thanks so much. Drug-Free Business MRO Services is now a preferred provider to Indesa members. Fast turnaround, 24-7 MRO review, and reporting to federal and non-DOT drug tests directly to you and your client's dashboard. Indesa's members set up and annual membership fees are waived, saving you $150 per year. You and your clients get complimentary access to the $49 live two-hour reasonable suspicion training for supervisors with certificates of completion. Drug-Free Business has three certified MROs, three certified MRO staff members, and three CSAPA experts to answer your questions and assist you and your clients. You can reach out to Drug-Free Business MRO Services at 1-800-598-3437 or client service at drugfreebusiness.org. Thank you for listening to the Indesa Members Memo. Subscribe to hear all of our podcasts and join Indesa to access all of our professional industry resources. Visit us at ndasa.com.